Good morning. It's a delight to be with you here in New Holland. I think this might be the first time that I've been in this community. And so uh, it was a fun ride in. Uh, I guess today is go-to-meeting day for the Amish. And uh, that's a little experience unto itself, you know, dodging the exhaust along the side of the road and uh, those sorts of things. It's it's just great to be with you. Thank you so much. I apologize that my wife is unable to to be with us this morning. We have a fairly demanding uh, travel schedule, and uh, in the last month uh, uh, since being elected as superintendent, our uh, travel schedule has has increased uh, many times, and so uh, Robin is just at home trying to catch her breath this morning, preparing for the next couple of legs of our journey. Uh, We have have three children, three adult children. Uh, I'm a grandparent. That is just the coolest. And uh, we have another grandchild on the way. And uh, my daughter lives in Fort Worth, Texas, did not get permission to move that far from mom and dad. But uh, she's having a, her name is Becca, if you think to pray for Becca. She's having a little bit of a rough go of it with this uh, pregnancy, and there have been a few complications. And so uh, my wife heads out to Texas this week to be with my daughter while I'm in class in Florida. And so we're heading in different directions, and that's just kind of the nature of our life life right now. But um, I want to uh, turn our attention this morning to Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 40. And uh, I'd like to share a message that the Lord's placed on my heart uh, regarding healthy churches. How many of you are concerned about health care? Isn't that just where we live? I mean, uh, uh, when you're healthy, it's not that big of a deal. But uh, when you're not so healthy or you run into a physical problem, then health care becomes all that. And um, I heard a great story about a fella. He had just retired and... Uh, was his his game plan for retirement was lots of naps and lots of golf. He did not get the memo that you get really busy catching up on things that you didn't do while you were in the workforce. Uh, and so he found himself in this curious place of uh, being retired. His wife had a to-do list for him. He went to the doctor for a physical, and this doctor happened to be a, a personal friend, and they golfed a lot together when they could. And uh, Doc says to this guy named Frank, he says, Frank, how, how you like in retirement? And Frank says, Doc, it is not what it's cracked up to be. He said, I swear my wife is going to kill me with this, uh, the chores around the house. Doctor said, well, that's, that's really unfortunate. Is there, is there anything I can do? And he, Frank says, I don't know. If the, I, I don't know what you could possibly say to her that could change this, but I'd sure like to go golfing a little bit more than what I am right now. And so the doctor says, is she with you today? He said, yeah, she's out in the waiting room. He says, well, when we're done with your physical, just ask her to come back to my office and I'll meet with her. Frank is a little bit curious. How's this going to go? And so, okay, he trusts his friend. And and so uh, after the physical's over, he goes out in the waiting room and his wife says, are you ready to go? He goes, well, actually, Doc wants to talk to you in his office. She goes, is everything okay? Uh, You'll need to talk to him. So she goes back to the doctor's office and and Doc says, sit down. And she sits down. He says, listen, I'm very concerned about Frank's health. She said, oh, he said, yeah, his physical condition is actually declining. 
And I'm just not sure if we don't get this turned around, he might be facing some hardships. And she said, well, well, what can I do? He said, well, what I really recommend, this is mostly stress-based. And so he just needs to take it easy for next six months. No heavy lifting, no hard work. Whatever it is that he finds that takes the stress away. You mean like golf? Yeah, like golf. Just whatever it, uh, fix him his favorite meal, you know, uh, uh, breakfast in the morning and, and lots of love and affection. She says, okay, I get it. So they're driving home, Frank and his wife, and she hasn't said anything about this conversation. And so Frank can't take it anymore. And he goes, well, what did the doctor say? His wife reaches over and gently takes him by the hand and says, Honey, you're going to (laughs) die. I think everybody everybody is aware of health care and health care related issues. And and, uh, if you're doing diligence, you go to the doctor maybe once a year, sometimes twice a year for your annual or semi-annual checkups and physicals and those kinds of things. And uh, I just went to my doctor's appointment two months ago, and it's the same routine. You know what this looks like. You go to the doctor. First thing they do is weigh you. I don't like this. This part. Yeah, uh, uh, does anyone else do this? I, I wear the lightest clothes that I have, empty my pockets, take off my, uh, try and try. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then, uh, and then they, they put something in your ear. They get the, the, your temperature. Uh, go into the little room. And they put the cuff on your arm and they blood pressure and those kinds of things. And, and, and we've come to uh, uh, learn those things are called vital signs. And if your vital signs are not within the appropriate ranges, they're going to order more and more tests to see why things are not where they ought to be in reflecting a state of health. I have learned that churches also have some vital signs that reveal the general state of health in the church. I've been on a mission for the last four or five years. Every opportunity that I get, I like to talk to churches about church health. And in order for a church to be healthy, there are are three major considerations, and we're only going to look at one here this morning, but uh, pastor and leadership health is an important part of the health of every church. So the pastor, the leadership team that takes the church forward, that's important. The believers in the church also need to be conscientious of their own spiritual health and vitality. And then collectively, when we put all of that together, we have the broader expression of church health, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Our text is Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 40. Would you kindly stand with me as we honor God's word in its reading today? Acts 2, 40. This is the church... Just after the day of Pentecost, uh, this is the church in its earliest state, and I would submit to you, in its healthiest state. If you want a picture of what 
health looks like in a church family, this would be the place to go. Here we go. And with many other words, he, this is talking about the apostle Peter, testified and exhorted this crowd saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. How many of you know that's a good day in church? 3,000 people were saved. And they, the 3,000 plus the 120 plus any others who were added to the church, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity. Some versions say sincerity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father, I pray as we look in your word, let your word look in us. I pray that, Lord, uh, we would be attentive to our personal spiritual health and our corporate family spiritual health. Uh, speak to us today, I pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So we're going to look this morning at five vital signs of a healthy church. And we will look at these from two vantage points. One is as individuals, but then more broadly, as a group or as the corporate uh, church, the corporate body of Christ. As it turns out, uh, each of these uh, vital signs ends with the word ship. And so if you were taking notes, that's a head start for you. The first uh, vital sign is discipleship. A healthy church and healthy believers in the church have a healthy expression of their growth in the Lord. We see this played out in the New Testament church that has just been birthed. It says that they received the word. How many of you know that our health, our state of health, has a lot to do with our appetites, our diet, You're looking at a guy who had a donut on the way to church this morning. So you know right away, I'm committed to health. We know, and I'm going to justify this here, there's nothing wrong with having a donut. But if that's all you have, there's a problem. Nothing wrong with a Hershey's bar. Come on, can I get a witness? There's nothing wrong with that. But if all you eat is Hershey bars... You're going to have health issues, not to mention dental issues as well. Somewhere in our diet, we have to attend to those things that will contribute to a better sense of physical health. The same thing is true in our spiritual growth and development. The early church demonstrated that they had a healthy appetite for spiritual things. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching, and we call that today the Bible, the Word of God. Let me ask you, are you growing in your walk with the Lord? Are you presently growing? I don't know how long you may have been in the faith. You may have been walking with Jesus for a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years. And perhaps there are those who have been walking with the Lord for 50 years. How many of you know we keep growing? It doesn't matter where we are on the timeline. If we are healthy in our walk with the Lord, we're going to find new ways to apply the Word of God to the present stage where we find ourselves. I'm now 57 years young. I can't believe how much I have in the rearview mirror. I'm the same person that I was 30 years ago when I was 27. But then again, I'm not. Things have changed since then. We've had three children. We now have a grandchild. We now have no children. (laughs) We have an empty nest. When I was 27, I was more concerned about what life was going to look like at 30 or 35. Now I'm looking at the finish line. I'm saying, I don't know where the finish line is. How many of you, are you glad not to know where the finish line is? I'm not sure how I feel about that. Doesn't matter. I don't know where it is. But I'm growing toward the finish line. I had an acquaintance. He was an elder of mine. and, And the church that I pastored, he was the interim between my predecessor and myself. His name was Wilbur, and when I met Wilbur, he was about 91 years young, still preaching, still teaching. He taught a Sunday school class until he was 94 or 95 years old. I had Wilbur come and preach for me one Sunday evening, and we were just chatting. I just wanted to honor him for the wonderful ministry that he provided the church before I got there, and uh, Wilbur came in, and he had his big old Bible. You know, we do so much digitally today. We had this big old tattered up Bible and uh, we hugged and we shook hands. We exchanged pleasantries. And he said to me, he goes, pastor, can I show you something the Holy Spirit just showed me this week in my devotions? I never saw it before. And he opened up his Bible and began to share before service uh, something fresh that the Holy Spirit had. And I, uh, Wilbur's 91 years old. And he's still growing in his walk with the Lord Jesus. And I looked at Wilbur and I said, when I grow up, I want to be like you. I don't want to die in my walk with the Lord before I leave this earth. I want to grow right into Jesus' presence. Let me ask you something, friend. How's it growing for you? How are you growing in the Lord? doesn't matter how long. There are some people who they've embraced an idea that I've been in the Lord long enough. I pretty much know what I need to know. And there's no, no. There are new horizons to find. There are new growth points that the Lord wants to develop in our lives. Amen? Discipleship. Individually, we have to ask, I have to ask myself at this stage of the game, Am I still growing in the Lord? Please ask yourself that question this morning. We're going to kind of take our pulse. 
We're going to see if our heart's beating. See how we're doing with our vital signs. The first is discipleship. They received the word. Not only did they gladly receive the word and dedicate themselves to the apostles' doctrine and teaching, they responded to the word. It's important to receive the word, but it's also important to obey the word. The way that they obeyed, this was in the very early formative years of the church, they were baptized You see, that was part of the whole gospel plan. Receive the gospel, then be baptized as an outward sign and demonstration and witness to the community that I'm a follower of Jesus. So what is the Lord calling you to do in response to his word? Discipleship is the first vital sign that we see in the early church. Number two is fellowship. It says they dedicated themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to the fellowship. Sometimes we think that fellowship means apple pie and ice cream. It does. Let's settle that right now. That's exactly, it means that. But it means so much more. The word fellowship literally means to have in common with. What do we have in common with one another? We have Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our soon-coming King. We serve Him while we're here. We serve Him best by serving one another. They dedicated themselves to the fellowship. Unfortunately, some believers see fellowship like optional power equipment in an automobile. You know how you go, sometimes we go shopping for an automobile, and and now today, things keep changing. What's optional becomes standard in a few years. I remember the time when you actually had to pull the lock up. How many of you remember that? That was optional. When I was a kid, all of our cars had air conditioning. You rolled the windows down and went faster. That's how it worked. Today, all that's standard. And now today, just saw this on a commercial, the new optional equipment is hands-free driving. (laughs) Woo-hoo-hoo! Now I can have my coffee and donut and not even have to try to manage the steering wheel. That's coming out, they say, by 2020, there will be self-driving cars. I don't know about you, but I'm all for that. I can see myself taking a nap on the turnpike going 65 miles an hour. Let's get back on track. Fellowship. (laughs) Fellowship is not optional power equipment. It's absolutely needful and necessary for us to be connected to one another in the faith. We need to encourage one another. Why do we need fellowship? I'll give you two good reasons why we have to have fellowship. Number one, You need other people. And number two, other people need you. Back in the Pittsburgh area when I was pastoring, I belonged to a gun club where we shot bowling pins on Monday nights. Made the bowlers a little bit nervous, but uh, we enjoyed it. No, we, we went to the gun club. They set up bowling pins, and we harassed each other and tried to distract each other. And we did this during a season. It was a blast. It was really a lot of fun. The wonderful thing about being part of this club is the guys, they, of necessity, were dedicated to safety. 
And so signs everywhere, hearing protection, eye protection. It's just necessary because when we weren't shooting actual wooden bowling pins, we were shooting steel silhouettes of bowling pins. And they were 25 yards out, and it was a high-powered handgun, and sometimes the lead would come back at you. I've had lead hit me right in the chest. Me and Superman, yeah, bullets bounce right off of us. But they kept a little plastic container on the counter, and it had a whole bunch of lead that had come back. This container served as an encouragement and a reminder that sometimes that lead comes back and you should have some protection on your eyes so that you don't have to, you know, go get some medical attention for that. Hearing protection as well. One time we were sitting there and uh, they called us out by squads, uh, squad four to the line is what the gal would say. And this guy just grabbed his gun and out to the line he went, but he forgot his eye protection. There was a stir in the clubhouse and, and somebody said, he went out there without his eye protection. And, and so one of the fellows ran out and grabbed him and, and said, hey, he had his hearing protection on, so he couldn't hear. But he, he pointed to his eye and, they, oh, yeah, yeah. And he came back in and he said, hey, guys, thanks. I for, he just forgot. He got distracted in a conversation and went out and he was now vulnerable. How many of you know that we're vulnerable? The Bible tells us very clearly, Satan's like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. And friends, when we're not connected through fellowship, we are isolated and we are even more vulnerable to spiritual attacks. I believe that the devil has a plaque on his wall and it reads like this, divide and conquer. And that's a strategy that the devil uses. He separates people. He gets somebody discouraged. He gets somebody angry. He gets somebody frustrated. Nobody here. That happens in other churches. And what happens is they lose some of their spiritual connection with the body. And as a pastor, and your pastor could say the same thing, we've seen it time after time after time where people are divided from the flock And then pretty soon they're no longer part of the family because they walk away or because the devil beguiles them, distracts them, and and overtakes them. I've been to the hospital many, many times visiting people. I have yet to go to the isolation unit and find a healthy person there. People who are in the isolation unit at a hospital usually are very vulnerable and making other people vulnerable as well. I want to encourage you. How is fellowship going for you in your life? How's that working for you? Are you connected to other believers? People who you can encourage and people who can encourage you. How's that going for you? Here's a little litmus test. Are you ready? When was the last time you invited somebody to your house for fellowship? Our culture is becoming increasingly isolated. And I don't know what the deal is that we feel like we've got to have a house that that could be on Better Homes and Garden front page and it's got to be all perfect. And sometimes my wife, we entertain and she'll be like, oh, you know, don't sit on the couch. I just cleaned it. Heaven forbid that people come to our house and think that we sit on the furniture. (laughs) Or she gets all stressed out. I've got to run the vacuum. Or this is how that plays out. Honey, would you run the vacuum? 
I was hoping you'd ask. And I'm going to take it one step further. When was the last time you invited somebody you don't know real well to fellowship? I'll tell you one of the most valuable things in the business world today, they call it networking. Because we recognize that that person or that company or that group may have an idea or a practice that will benefit So I want to network with them. I want to connect with them. And if we're going to be fair, maybe I have something that would benefit them. That's what fellowship is, friends. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and doctrine and to fellowship. And we read later in breaking of bread from house to house. It's always been part of the DNA. Number three, worship. So we're taking vital signs. How am I doing my growth with the Lord? Discipleship. How am I doing with fellowship? Connecting with other believers. The third area is worship. It says that they met in the temple from really on a daily basis. I don't think that that means that all 3,000 people had church every day. It could mean that, but it probably means that there was some spiritual activity for the church going on on a daily basis and people were connecting there. It says that they gave themselves to prayer to the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread is mentioned two times in the passage. One time it means breaking bread like having supper together. And another time the breaking bread means communion. They observed the Lord's table on a regular basis. You know what that tells me? They had a high level of appreciation for their redemption. May it never get old for us, amen? Stewardship is the fourth vital sign. So we're taking our spiritual pulse. Am I growing in the Lord? Am I connected with other believers? Am I living in a state of worship? Oh, by the way, let me digress to worship one more time. How many of you know it doesn't have to be 8.45 a.m. on Sunday to worship? You can worship Jesus and should worship Jesus all day long. One of my favorite worship experiences is on my garden tractor. Oh, man. Concerts happen on the tractor. I'll just be bellowing out and nobody in the world knows because the tractor's so loud. Or I have the headphones in and worship prayer. You can pray on your way to work on the turnpike. As a matter of fact, you should pray on the turnpike. If you followed the person I followed today, it's a good time to intercede. Stewardship. It says this in verse 44, they had all things in common. And what that's talking about is, well, you know what? Early in the church's history, people lost their job because they came to Jesus. People lost their family because they were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even in some circles today, if you convert If you become born again, you'll lose some relationships. Some of those relationships you need to lose, but others not so much. Some people have lost their family. They've been disowned for coming to Christ. And so that happened here, and um, the believers responded to one another's needs by pooling their resources. 
generosity ought to always be part of our life. That's what this passage reflects when it says they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and gave to those who were in need. They had a spirit of love, and love is often spelled G-I-V-E. You can say, I love you. And John goes so far as to say this in his letter, 1 John. Let us not love one another just in words or with our tongue with our speech, but with action and deeds. That's how we ought to love one another. I had a gal, her name was Kathy. I was a young minister. I was a youth pastor at Calvary Assembly in Elkhart, Indiana. And uh, Kathy came to the lead pastor and said, Pastor Clifton, there's a need and we want to meet it. What had happened was a woman named Sarah had contracted cancer. They were in the middle of gutting their kitchen and uh, renovating when Sarah found out she had cancer. And, uh, of course, all of their attention was now directed to her health care needs. And uh, Kathy and a small group that was having Bible studies and prayer meetings in their homes, she went to the pastor and said, Would you mind if we just kind of took a collection among ourselves. They were not talking about their tithes. This is just a, they were taking an offering for Sarah. Pastor Clifton says it's a wonderful idea. He blessed it, asked if he could help contribute to it. It was a, it was a good thing. And that, that group raised money to finish the renovation in the kitchen. And they came to the house and did the labor. They volunteered and they cooked meals for the family three times a week with enough for leftovers in the in-between days. Isn't that what Jesus' people do? One church has it as their theme, find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's what we do. They were good stewards of their personal resources. How many of us have learned that what's mine isn't mine? The concept of stewardship is that what I have has come to me from the Lord. It's his blessing, and he puts it on loan to me. I get to use it for my needs, but it's not just for my needs. I want to steward God's resources in such a way that I can bless other people as well. So, fingers on your pulse. Taking vital signs. We've talked about worship and discipleship and fellowship. Stewardship is the fourth thing. How am I doing with being generous with the resources God has given me? Number five, partnership. The last verse of this passage of Scripture tells us, those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. A thousand, this is earlier, a thousand souls were added. That's the beginning of the passage. And in the end of the passage, it says that the church was praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church 
daily those who are being saved. What we see demonstrated in these two bookend verses is that there was a partnership between the apostles and the church body for bringing people to the faith. How many of you know somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Somebody in your household, perhaps? A relative? We partner together to introduce people to Jesus. Sometimes we do it over a cup of coffee. And I just want to challenge you this morning and ask you this question. When was the last time you shared your story with somebody who's not part of the faith? Oh, you right away, people are getting nervous. Stop getting nervous. It's your story. Nobody can criticize you for telling your story. I've told my story so many times. My aunt was going through a divorce. Her neighbors invited her to church. She got saved. My aunt was close to my oldest sister, and she invited my oldest sister to go to church. After we made fun of her for a while because Carol got religion, my sister went to church. She got saved. All of a sudden, she went from being a nominal church attender to going three times a week. I'll never forget my dad's statement. We're going to go to that church and see if she's gotten herself into a cult. (laughs) It's exactly what he said. And if she's in a cult, she's coming back to the family church. And so that Sunday morning, it was September 28th, 1975, the Immel clan got in the car, drove five miles or six miles to this Assembly of God church. And I remember the pastor saying with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would like to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning, please raise your hand. I was looking. I was checking it out. And I saw my dad raise his hand. And I saw my sister raise her hand. And I saw my other sister raise her hand. And I saw my mother raise her hand. I thought I'd get in on the party. And I raised my hand. Those days we walked down to the altar. The preacher gave me a Bible and said, Son, would you like to read this verse? I wanted to say no. Scared to death to read in public. Are you nuts? But we got saved that day. That was 1975. Mom and dad are at home with Jesus now. My three sisters and I and all of our families continue to serve the Lord. It's my story. What's your story? When is the last time you shared it? Invite somebody. Here, we're taking our pulse. How healthy are we as a church? This passage demonstrates at least these five vital signs of a healthy church. Commitment to discipleship, growing in the Lord. Commitment to fellowship, growing in relationship to one another. Commitment to worship. That means, yeah, being at church, but also having a spiritual tone about our lives 24-7. Stewardship being generous with what God has blessed me with. And finally, partnership. That together, 
we pray for our unsaved loved ones. And we keep praying for them until the day they come to faith in Jesus Christ. How are your vital signs? I want to ask that collectively too. This looks like a healthy church. I've got to say, Pastor, it looks healthy here. Came through the door, nobody knew me. People were shaking hands and greeting and they were friendly. I want to compliment you, Pastor. There's a wonderful reception. And that just says that's who, that's who you are. Keep that going. Amen? Our Father and our God, thank you so very much. Thank you, Father, for coming into our heart. Thank you for coming into our life. Thank you for forgiving us, making us brand new, born again. I pray for this family of believers, this church, Lord, both individually and corporately, that health would continue to permeate their experience with you. Make us to be the people you want us to be individually and together as a family. And Lord, we'll thank you for it as we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.